Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is The Guardian. Politics, as you may have noticed, isn't having much of a summer break this year. But as the Conservative leadership contest grinds on and fears rise about what we're going to face this winter... Politics Weekly UK is snatching a brief pause. So this week, we thought we'd offer a service to anyone doing the same and have a look at five political books you might want to read if you're on holiday, escaping from the heat, or simply in need of a bit of mental stimulation. None of them are conventional Westminster-focused books. You'd be pleased to hear that there's no biography of Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak, or Keir Starmer. But they do shine light on where the UK has ended up and some of the huge issues our leaders can't seem to cope with, as well as big questions of history and the absurdity and comedy of everyday politics. Right, book one. Never mind the Trust Sunak pantomime, the most fundamental political story of the summer has surely been about heat and drought in the UK and Europe and similarly extreme weather events all over the world. They've highlighted the dire shortcomings of how mainstream politics is dealing with the climate emergency and also questions for the protest movements that now fill the vacuum politicians have left. The most sobering, thought-provoking book I've recently read about all this is How to Blow Up a Pipeline by the Swedish writer, academic and author Andreas Malm. It isn't quite what its title suggests, but rather a call for action that includes damaging property and sabotaging fossil fuel infrastructure. It's also a rebuttal of the myth that past waves of protest, from the suffragettes to the anti-apartheid movement, were non-violent. Malm invites us to imagine the world as it will be in four or five years' time, when, and I quote, the kids of the Thunberg generation and the rest of us wake up one morning and realise that business as usual is still on, regardless of all the strikes, the science, the pleas, the millions with colourful outfits and banners, not beyond the realm of the thinkable. Imagine the greasy wheels roll as fast as ever. What do we do then? Do we say that we've done what we could, tried the means at our disposal and failed? Do we conclude that the only thing left is learning to die, a position already propounded by some, and slide down the side of the crater into three, four, eight degrees of warming? Or is there another phase beyond peaceful protest? If you like that book, it's also worth having a look at another text Andreas Malm was involved in, White Skin, Black Fuel, which is a really insightful examination of why climate denial runs so deep on the populist far right of politics. Rule Nostalgia by Hannah Rose Woods, which is subtitled A Backwards History of Britain, is about another ingrained feature of the modern political right, evident in the likes of Nigel Farage, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Boris Johnson and just about every other Union Jack-waving Brexiteer. 
a yearning for a past that never actually happened, and a deeply misplaced insistence that Britain can somehow be great again. We vote leave and take back control. I believe that this Thursday can be our country's Independence Day. Rose Woods is a sharp, iconoclastic writer, and she also deals with similar traits on the political left. Best of all, she looks at the way that nostalgic myths have surfaced throughout British history in a narrative that goes all the way back to the Tudors. On one level, it's a book about the innate human tendency to feel a nagging sense of loss and look back. But it's also about something very British, and particularly English, that you can find in everything from Shakespeare's plays to Libertine's records. It's a great read, and it reminds you that the emotional storytelling parts of politics are never really anything that new. And so to a couple of books by colleagues of mine at The Guardian, which I can honestly say I would recommend, honestly, even without that connection. Jonathan Friedland's book, The Escape Artist, is simply one of the most moving, shocking and fascinating things I've probably ever read. It's the story of Rudy Verber, one of two men who, in April 1944, became the first Jews to escape from Auschwitz in an attempt to finally tell the world about the Holocaust. There are two key elements here, the story of the escape and the horrors of the camp, and what happened when the two of them were finally able to tell people in positions of power about what they'd seen, most of whom were resistant to finally making the realities of the Holocaust public. Running between the lines, there's also a third element, a warning about misinformation and the politics of fake news, and the horrors we therefore avert our eyes from. My fourth book is Marina Hyde's What Just Happened. It's a collection of the cream of her writing in The Guardian from 2016 to now, and therefore a kind of shadow history of all the turbulence and absurdity of recent British political history. Because of the sheer quality of the writing, it doesn't feel like material that's dated. Instead, events have usually proved the author entirely right. There are about 15,000 great lines in here, but my favourite remains Marina's description of Boris Johnson, just before he became Prime Minister. She said he was not so much a statesman as an Oxfam donation bag torn open by a fox. Marina joined us on Politics Weekly UK back in July to run us through the weird and wonderful pool of candidates who put themselves forward to be Prime Minister, including the then frontrunner Penny Morden. Do you remember her? Who nobody knew anything about. That, that's, that's her appeal. The last six years have been so bad that we're now looking for, like, clean skins that actually nobody knows. You know, it's like a sort of Jason Bourne figure. which want to get someone that no one knows anything about just because it's more likely that they won't be as bad as the horrendous ones we do know about. If you're a big fan of Marina's or you're really bored or both, you can listen back to that episode on our Guardian podcast page. Finally, Chums by the Financial Times journalist Simon Cooper. This is a brisk read, coming in at under 200 pages, but its core is a really well-taken theory about where Britain has ended up. Cooper was at Oxford University in the 1980s, where he saw something happen from a distance. A clique of would-be Tory politicians beginning to come up with the ideas that would lead to Brexit, as well as aspects of Oxford that were about to tip politics as a whole somewhere very bad. The university, he says, is exactly the kind of environment that incubates the nostalgia Hannah Rose Wood writes about. Worse still, the university of his day, and just to make this clear, I went there as well, but I too am not part of the problem, tended to glorify being the kind of chancer and bullshitter exemplified in different ways by David Cameron, Boris Johnson, and now Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak. 
Cooper also pinpoints something very acutely. The fact that Brexit was the project of a certain kind of Oxford Tory who wanted a great cause but had trouble finding one. The Brexiteers of the future, he says, and I quote, had nothing to match Empire or the Second World War or even the Thatcher Revolution. Thatcher had already fulfilled most of their policy desires. There wasn't much room left for more privatisation or tax cutting if Britain was still to remain a recognisably Western country. That left a new generation of Tories with nothing to put right. So it was with a very Oxfordian chutzpah that they eventually picked taking Britain out of the EU. Thanks for that, Oxford. Anyway, thanks for listening to today's summer reading list. You can find the full list of the books on this podcast page. Gabby Hinsliff will be hosting Politics Weekly UK next week, and I'll be back on the 1st of September. This episode was produced by Frankie Toby. The music is by Axel Cacoutier, and the executive producers are Maz Ebtahaj and Nicole Jackson. Happy reading. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.